your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday on Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, we're going to have some time today. 608 785 7914. I think we had a pretty good discussion yesterday with Brad Paff and then beyond that. And a little bit later in the show, Jen Rambalski, Lacrosse County Health Director, will be on about five, right after the halfway point, 535. We're going to bring her on. I, I hope she's busy today. Not that I hope she's busy, but I hope that she's busy in that I texted and emailed her in the past 12 hours, just kind of, hey, what do you think of this or that? And she hasn't gotten back to me. So hopefully she calls in or we call, or hopefully she answers her phone when we call her at about 535. So if you have questions for the Lacrosse County Health Department director on the coronavirus or anything sort of related to that, give us a text right now and I'll make Grant Bills, who's in the studio, if you're watching on Facebook Live, I'll make him write it down because I'll be too distracted. 608-785-7914. And let's see. The, the, I wanted to start the show just a little bit, and I'm going to pull up my notes because we have that one text that we saved from yesterday. And it was kinda... I have it in front of me if you want me yeah, to. So, yeah. I was digging for it, too. It was yesterday. And we talked to Brad Path. He announced his running for a state Senate seat left open or will be left open by Jennifer Schilling, who is also the was the Senate or is maybe was. I guess they just changed that Senate minority leader. Uh, kind of a big deal, kind of a big seat to open up. And Brad Paff's going to run against Dan Kapanke for that seat come, you know, election time. And Brad Paff got I guess he he didn't get confirmed by the the Senate to be the Ag Secretary in Wisconsin after 10 months. And it was the first time in the history of politics that we cared about an Ag Secretary and in, in more <laughs> beyond the fact that he's the Ag Secretary and people in Ag would agriculture would be interested in him and anyone else wouldn't be. But he didn't get confirmed. He more or less got fired after 10 months. All because he was, you know, you could argue he was sticking up for um, funding mental health for farmers or you could argue he was sticking up for neighbors of farmers with the, I guess it was like manure rules or uh, those manure pits that tend to stink up neighbors' houses, and there was some regulations there. Uh, we didn't even get into that. So, But anyway, in, in getting some text yesterday, Grant, you want to just read the, I think it was from, was it from Phil? It was from Jim. Jim, okay. Jim texted in. Go ahead. So Jim gave us a text yesterday um, towards the end of the interview. And and I don't mean to pick on Jim, but this jumped out to me. And I, and I talked to you, Rick, obviously, after the show about this. Jim texted in and said, ask Brad if he is a moderate or a Democrat. Jim was trying to figure out the affiliation of Brad Paff. And then not, he also not asked. Just, not just a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. Yeah. So he wanted specification on. Uh, the politics and, and I guess the party of Brad Paff. And what I told Rick is, wouldn't it be nice if, and once again, not to pick on Jim, wouldn't it be nice if our listeners and me and everybody could look at a politician, could listen to a politician, hear their thoughts and ideas on things and not necessarily get caught up at least right away with their political affiliation. Meaning like it would have been cool to listen to everything Brad had to say, start to finish without, you know, putting those glasses on from a conservative or a liberal standpoint and say, you know what? I like this guy, or I don't like this guy. I agree with this. I don't agree with this. So I, th- it was an interesting conversation that Rick, you and I started to have, and I and I thought it was a decent idea to bring to the air today because maybe our our listeners and texters and callers would have input on that. Yeah, the the idea that uh, I need to know 
where path stands in terms of how is he going to label himself is kind of a funny, Hey Brad, where do you, what do you label yourself? Are you this, that, and the other thing? And I would say even, even, you know, Grant, you're, you're kind of getting thrown into the political world. I think with a lot of people as maybe because you, you know, are, are, are because you're, you're dealing with this show and, and having to do it or Donald Trump's come to light. For me, it was, Bernie Sanders started talking five, you know, four or five years ago. And I was like, what is going on? And, and you kind of get into this stuff and then you don't really have an affiliation. And I think if, if people who listen to this show, you know, like here, you know, I get made, I get called names a lot, but the liberal, liberal hack, I think is the the best. I think you even have that sounder. You're all liberal hacks, period. (laughs) <laughs> so I get labeled that, but I would say as personally, if you want to go, if you want to point to this sh- issue, you know, maybe when it deals with animals or the treatment of animals or factory farms, maybe I am a liberal hack and we can get into the factory farm thing in a little bit. But when, if you want to point to some other issue, maybe I'm a Republican when it comes to that. I think me and libertarian guy will have conversations on the text line about certain things. When it comes when it comes to the, you know, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, so you're not you know straight liberal on every issue," and I don't think any of us are. But the the idea that that uh, Brad Path needs to identify himself as one thing is silly because I think every issue you would you would take uh, take a different role. So all right, we got Dan and number three on hold. Let's go to whoever was first there, Grant. Let's go to number three. You're on with Rick. Number three. A politician will tell you anything you want to hear. You know that, Rick. Okay, but we but but they they're they're running the show, so we're anyway, gonna... I don't want to run we're with politics. I think our governor's kind of going off the deep end. I was reading in the paper where you can go to a car wash now. He's opened up the car washes. Uh, just just uh, as long as you don't have to, you know, hand money to somebody. Essentially, well, the car wash is never closed. They've been open all the time. Well, on the, on the south end of lacrosse, they're open all the time. He said, "Oh, we can fix small engine lawnmowers, repair shops. The one out by me has been open all the time. It never closed." Yeah, I, I think I think we're just we're we're establishing some guidelines here. You can't you can't have a bikini car wash. Number three. That's that's probably a good, that's probably a good rule, nope. and I think number three, and and we're sorry to cut you off, and I think it probably depends on the area, right? If you live in a very rural community, it's probably a lot more lenient, right? They're probably able to do some business and get away with it. Whereas in a big city, Madison, Milwaukee, or even right in the heart of Lacrosse, that might be a little bit more difficult. So that's probably important to remember too. Well, you drop your lawnmower off in the downtown Milwaukee, and someone steals it, though. I mean, but 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 essentially, I think you would drop if you needed to get your lawnmower fixed. You would drop it off and call them and be like, "Hey, it's outside." As long as you you know, maybe maybe some places would have to have like a cash transaction, and maybe that can't happen. I guess yeah, maybe the the rules are confusing, but there but there's rules that are being eased up here a little bit, and um, it's it's just allowing some businesses to reopen, but other businesses, probably the smaller ones that that can't do contactless service, are are going to be left out for a while yet. Is Dan still there? Yeah, we we do have Dan on the line. Let's go to Dan. I on the on the topic to to kind of close number three of like dog grooming businesses and lawn mower repair shops. Just for an entertainment purpose, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall of the office when these decisions were getting made, right? Which businesses are okay and which aren't. Like the logic behind, well, we can get our pet groomed, but we can't do this. Like it just seems so 
It just seems so out there to me, doesn't well, it, Rick? Like, yeah, where the, did where the, did those guidelines come from? Well, the story too, like the 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 AP story that we put up yesterday, um, is this it? No, I, the, I seem. Uh, what was the what was the the word? I want to find the. I want to find. Here it is. Okay, so you know, like kayak places can. But the the first three words: dog groomers, upholsters, yeah. lawn mare repair shops, and other non essential businesses. Yeah. The the first three things there are so. I guess lawn mare repair shops. We're we're right in lawn mowing territory right now so that might be something like oh good because my lawnmower don't work because it's been sitting around all winter with gas in it and it's ruined but uh upholsters dog groomers like these are these are things that are are so obscure that you know to to to, like that's that's where we're going oh we got to open up the dog groomers that's exactly what i'm saying like i would have loved to be in that meeting but sorry dan we're we're we're, uh we're keeping you off the air here dan go ahead you're on with rick Perfect. My joke just it pushed Perfect. him over the edge. Do you want to you want to talk to your buddy Eric from Sparta instead? Yeah, real quick, Eric, before we hit news. Yeah, I tell you, uh, uh, you should avoid gas stations along the internet because you don't know who's driving down the internet. And if you do the interstate, and if you do use one of those gas stations, please wash your hands completely because they people are coming from everywhere. Okay, thanks, Thank Eric. Uh, yeah, the uh, internet superhighway. You don't know what is going on. Did he? There. Did he say? Did he mean? Did he say he interstate? Said, well, eventually he said. Okay, I, no, I thought he was talking about internet too. You but do. You do really have to watch what you're doing on the internet. Too no, agreed. Well. <laughs> That's some good advice from Eric. I. It is true because I know gas is cheaper here than it is if you go north a couple hours. Um, my buddy texted me this morning, which is this is such an old man thing to do. But he asked me, he's like, "What's gas down in Lacrosse?" I'm like, "I don't like buck fifteen. He's like, "Oh, it's a buck, you know, forty fifty up here." So I think people might. Be gassing up down here on their way through, or they might take a detour. So Eric's not wrong. People are people are coming for our cheap gas. Yeah. All right. Let's hit uh, Brad in the newsroom, and we'll be back after this. Have wisdom. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, there's a couple of texts to read. 608-785-7914. Started the show just talking about our interview with Brad Paff yesterday, the former state egg secretary, now candidate for. The 32nd District Senate seat that's going to be opened up by Jennifer Schilling leaving for her uh, family reasons. Um, Dan Kapanke also running on the uh, Republican side. And, and just the conversation we were having, uh, hovering around, like, where does Brad Paff stand as a as his label in the Democratic Party? Is he a moderate? Is he a liberal? And I, and I just think it's like a funny a funny thing to try to just label everybody because I don't think anyone of us has any single label. We're all, if you pick an issue, we're all going to be, hell, we might be Republicans for one issue and Democrats for another issue and a liberal for, for something and conservative for another thing. I, th- I think it would be all over the place. And the, the idea that we need Brad Paff to, and I didn't ask him this and we, we I didn't see the text until afterwards anyway. I don't, I don't think I would have asked him anyway unless we would have been joking about it. I did make fun of Brad Paff for speaking in the third person for a little bit. And uh, hopefully he reels that in because if we're, we're going to have another uh, politician out there talking in the third person, it's it's going to be it's going to be rough. Um, but Grant, do you see that email? The, I think one of those last e- or text messages, I should say, one of those last texts came in. It, it was kind of hovering around that. I don't know if you saw that one. I was kind of looking for it too. But um, on top of that, I'll let, well, you, you just chime in when you find that, Grant. Yeah, which one are you talking about so, exactly? In dealing with Brad Paff and in his. Oh in, yeah, that was. Uh, we had a listener, Jim, yesterday. Just wanted. No, clarif- there there was a text today. Text today. 
Oh, about um, you about find Brad Paff. You find it and interrupt me because I'm gonna I'm just gonna talk about this uh, executive order too. And I'll find it. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about in in terms of first of all, there's a Mike Pence story where he didn't wear masks at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester today, and it is kind of weird. And I read it during the news uh, earlier in the day, and looked at pictures. And yeah, everybody at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, it's like the the place if you're going to have something if you're going to have health issues to solve Mayo Clinic in Rochester is where the world goes to solve these issues and Mike Pence is walking around without a mask on and everybody else has a mask on Mayo Clinic has like a an order where everyone needs to wear masks it's like a rule and he just didn't have one and 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 the Mayo Clinic tweeted out yeah we notified Mike Pence that uh, the the rules are we everyone wears a mask and later they deleted that tweet and it's like oh I wonder who told them to delete that tweet that's kind of it's strange and but on top of that the other thing that that's happening today and unless it happened already I I'm not looking at like breaking news at the moment but President Donald Trump is going to sign an executive order to to kind of shore up the meat production in the country. And he's going to use the Defense Production Act to get meat processing plants back up and running. And I don't know exactly how this works because, A, I'm not exactly sure meat processing plants as are essential businesses. If we didn't have all the meat we had, the meat would get more expensive, sure. But we could live without meat for a time being. And I understand that the animals that need to get to the meat processing plant would then just be euthanized, kind of like we're just dumping milk. So there would be a lot of waste there because they wouldn't be able to. They're not. They're not selling their animals to meat processing plants, so they're not getting money, which would in turn feed the rest of the animals they have. So in that regard, the animals will suffer one way or another, so to speak. But the, the there's this there's this thing going around where all the workers in these meat processing plants are getting sick, they're getting the virus, and then they're going home and giving the virus to other people, and it's being it's a big deal. Like a lot of these processing plants are going down because all their workers are getting the virus because of the way they work inside there. Not only are the pigs stacked on top of each other at the at the factory farms before they head to the meat processing plants. They the workers are stacked on each other at the processing plants, and therefore they're all getting sick. So we're Trump's going to sign an executive order to utilize the Defense Production Act to keep meat processing plants open. But how's that going to work? Because the workers are sick, so we're just going to make the workers stay in there and get sick. I just I don't quite understand it. If someone wants to explain it to me, feel free six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four the talk and text line. Feel free to explain it to me. And and I would I would love to to understand it a little bit better because I, I feel like if the workers are getting sick and we have to close the plants and then Trump makes the plants stay open, are we just getting letting the workers get more and more sick? Are we bringing in new workers essentially the same way the 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 flu of the the, the flu happened back a hundred years ago with with the civil or well anyway I'm good the Spanish about, flu yeah the Spanish flu and. You don't remember the the Great Spanish Flu of 1918? Is that the one you're talking yes, about? Yes, but I don't I don't want to call it the Spanish Flu, and I couldn't remember if it was 1918. I wonder if I wonder if I, first who was in uh, the presidency at that time. I'd have to look it up, but I wonder if they made it like the Spanish 
flu like we're making it about China. First of all, that's an interesting thought. I'm going to look that up. Uh, and Rick, We have lately, but it's actually it should be called the Kansas <laughs> flu because that's where it originated. That's true. I wonder if it was a similar situation back then and it's not just a, a 2020 thing. But Rick, I think you brought up an interesting point. Is, is the meat industry essential, right? Because I know for a fact that there are a lot of vegans and vegetarians and people who advocate for a plant-based diet who are right now at this moment, as this is developing, going, see, like we told you, we don't, we could live without meat if we need to, right? I think there are going to be a lot of people that argue during this time that meat isn't essential I think more people are going to argue yeah, that it the, is, the, but it's interesting. Yeah, the virus is opening up the door for all these things that we are undercutting in terms of helping ourselves or helping, you know, as I said before, if you want to call me a liberal hack when it comes to the treatment of animals, I, I would be gladly take that that ship, but I'm uh, ship, I said. I don't know why I said ship, but I did say ship. I would gr- gladly drive that ship. How about that? Drive it? Do you drive a ship? Um, captain it? But uh, the, the idea that we... You know, our healthcare system is is definitely flawed. If if we have to, you know, have quote unquote bailouts for people that don't have health insurance, who get the virus, who then, you know, taxpayer dollars will be spent on the people that don't have insurance to get treatment for the virus. If they ended up going to the hospital, we're also covering the cost of getting tested for the virus. You know, that's not going to cost anyone any money. But like, why? Okay, so. Why don't we just open that up for everyone? So if somebody has cancer and they don't have health insurance, they're fine. But if somebody has the coronavirus, then we, we've got to do something about it. This is where we you know, get into a topic for healthcare for all. And I don't know if I have time to, to do seven shows at once. Um, again, Jen Rabalski, Lacrosse County Health Director, is going to be on with us in about 10 minutes, I hope, as long as she... Uh, keeps to us to the schedule that we we started last week. But. It's it's a nerve wracking feeling having a guest scheduled and texting them throughout the day or like when the show starts. It's like hey, you know, does five thirty still work? And you don't hear back, and you're going along just hoping that they answer the phone. It's a very it's a very nerve wracking feeling. Yeah, and selfish, you could be like, come on, Jen, you haven't had any cases. You've only had. You know, one case the last couple of days, so you can't be that busy. You but. can't, you can't be uh, blowing off Rick Solom in Lacrosse Talk PM. I wonder if Jen has a thought on um, the the necessity or lack thereof when it comes to meat. I know we we have we have assigned Jen Rumbalski the title of like our coronavirus local expert. But for the last, you know, I don't know, however many years where there wasn't a pandemic, like she's dealt with a lot of different things when it comes to health. So I wonder if she has an opinion on that. Maybe we should get into that. Yeah, I mean, we could get into the the past, like SARS and all those other health health issues that have come up that were similar to this, but just didn't it didn't hit the country like like this is doing. So all right, so a lot a lot to take in there, and and I don't know if we if we we couldn't get to them calls or to the text, but um, let's take a break for okay so just eric is calling i hear the phone ringing and i'm like and i can't see in the studio obviously so i'm like why is the phone but i understand now it's uh eric Eric from sparta has been ringing us and by the way the text was from al and look most of the time when people text in they disagree with what we have to say i appreciate you al because on our whole 
uh, political party talk about listening to the candidate rather than trying to label them. He said, excellent thought. That's how we should look at all officials. They are Americans, not Democratic, not Republican. And if someone falls in either one of those groups, they are not an American because they don't stand for all Americans, which I appreciate that. Al. It is. I agree. Thank you. OK, until the end there where, you know, that's once, true. Once they become a Democrat or a Republican, then they're not Americans. Then like- they then they fight for some Americans. But I, I, I <laughs> mostly agree with what you said, Al. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, we don't need to be labeling anybody one thing or the other. I mean, they're going to stand for a party because that's the way our stupid system works. It's only Republicans and only Democrats and nobody in between. And that's the only thing we can vote for. And if we don't, you know, you're you're doing a disservice to your country because you're then voting for the other guy or girl. So, all right, let's go to Scott's comment in the news. We'll come back with La Crosse County Health Director Jen Rambalski after this, right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. If you want to ask Jen Rambalski, La Crosse County Health Director, a question, 608-785-7914, the talk and text line, text us that. Um, hi, Jen, how are you? It's nice to have nice to be with you today, Rick. Okay, so I want to get right into it because we're always <laughs> the time is always short, and uh, um, I was I, I'm kind of I'm looking at these numbers every day from the three state from the three area states, and some days I I really get into it and I just and then I, I, like I can analyze it all day long, tests and this and that. But uh, I'm just going to go overall, and I'm just going to go by the numbers yesterday because I didn't update this. But Wisconsin and Iowa have about fifty have about 6,000 cases. Minnesota has 1,500 cases less. And then when you go to deaths, and I hate talking about deaths like it's just a stat, but that's how I'm doing it. When you go to deaths, Minnesota and Wisconsin are very similar, but Iowa has about 150 less deaths. So the numbers don't correlate. Cases versus deaths between these three states don't correlate. Can you explain that at all? Well, and then I'll even add to that and say that in our tri-state area, right, so that would be Alamakee County in Iowa, Winona and, and Houston County in Minnesota, and then all the counties surrounding La Crosse in Wisconsin, we have like a, a weekly call with all the health department um, health officers, and it's been intriguing to see, you know, looking at Alamakee in Iowa, that they've had significant case numbers and some deaths, even though you say Iowa's death total, um, you know, is, is lower. Um so I think, you know, it's, what, what this tells me is that there is no good pattern for this virus. And I think predominantly we see case totals really spike when you have an outbreak, which often occurs in a particular location, like um, what happened in Winona County in Minnesota uh, at one of their long-term care facilities, or like what's happening in Brown County in Wisconsin, um, where they have a significant outbreak happening in a workplace setting. Um, so those kinds of things can happen. And, um, you know, all I can say is that it depends upon the practices that are taking place in those locations where you have people that are potentially in close contact. And that comes back to understanding what the virus is and how it spreads and knowing that it's through the air um, from breathing or coughing and then we pick up that virus and it gets into our into our own cells and we become infected. And we think there's also um, pretty significant potential for asymptomatic spread, so people who don't have symptoms but are spreading. We don't have a good handle on that yet because of the testing capacity challenges. So there's a lot of pieces to it. Yeah, I would say that. The, the the numbers kind of I mean I'm guessing that this is the red flag with the virus is like look the numbers don't match up because 
all of a sudden a meatpacking plant has 150 workers get it because boom, just like that. And that's the whole problem, right? The virus is, is going to hit you like a, like a bolt of lightning, right? It's just going to spread. And, and maybe it hits one state where a hundred, 200 people get it right away. And then, you know, and that state jumps in the numbers and then the other states, you know, eventually like they, they'll have a hiccup where they'll have a outbreak, right? That's kind of how that goes. It, yeah, I think that's a good analogy. And then to remember that the testing isn't equitable across all of these areas. So it depends upon, you know, who, where you live and how close you are. Can you get to a healthcare system to get tested? Are they going to test you because their criteria is different than a different healthcare system depending upon where you live? Um, so there, there are some inequities in the system. Um, but just thinking about that the virus really looks for our weak areas. Um, you know, this is about how the virus uh, infects individuals, and it needs to be, you know, between people who are close, in close contact. And so if we're not taking all of those good precautions, um, then we can be in trouble. And I'll just say here, too, the Safer at Home order in Wisconsin, folks have heard me talk about this, but I really believe that um, because the Safer at Home order came into place at a time when Madison and Milwaukee in Wisconsin were getting cases, but we weren't yet, uh, it was important to have that timing because we travel frequently. People in our county and in other counties travel, and they go to Madison, Milwaukee, and other states. Um, you know, spring breakers travel and lots of people for work. So if we didn't have that at the time when we had it, we would have had people coming back from Madison and Milwaukee and other areas that were viral hotspots, and we'd have more cases. Yeah, I would say anyone that wants to argue, and I, you know, I sent you this article earlier today, just I, I kind of broke down the numbers, and, and La Crosse hasn't had more than two cases in a day, so two cases. April 4th, you had two cases, and, and we really haven't had, we had one day where we had five cases last month, and we've just been trickling up, right? One case here, one case there. Um, that's because we're doing a good job, right? Like, we're not, we're not out and about and co- congregating in any one place. If the bars opened up, I would say we probably would have maybe a, a spike of like five to 10 cases in a day. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you're, you're right in terms of like, we are doing a really good job. Most of our residents are doing the right thing. Residents in counties around us are trying to do the right thing. The majority are, there are folks that don't, um, you'll always have some of that, but I think what has done when done really well in La Crosse County is that, um, we've worked really hard from, you know, even the end of January into February, beginning to develop toolkits and guidance documents for long-term care facilities, for schools, for workplaces, business checklists, all sorts of things to make sure every sector was um, understanding what they could do to help prevent the spread of this virus. I think that's also made a big difference. People have had the information they need and been able to sort of, you know, really make that operational. So, Jen, I have a text or two from a couple of our listeners. First of all, Gary uh, uh, Podesky uh, from our city council is is texting in and saying, tell Jen, thank you. And I think we have a lot of listeners who maybe feel that way, but they don't actively communicate it to us. Right. Listeners normally call and text when they disagree. I think a lot of our listeners <laughs> would just like to say thank you, as Rick and I do as well, for the work that you're doing, because La Crosse County has been it's been doing great. The cases have been manageable and minimal. Uh, I have a question from another listener as well who just wants some clarification, and, and I'm sure he's not the only one. And this is an example that Rick and I hear a lot. How are these numbers any different from the common flu as far as illness? Because the numbers are low. Some people are skeptical. Well, a lot of our listeners are skeptical. So could you kind of put that into perspective yeah. for us? Well, first of all, um, thanks for the thanks. Um, gratitude is always wonderful. I, I will tell you, it's not just me. It's a team. 
um, and really just passionate people who want to try to help our community. It's really cool to work with a, with a bunch like that. Um, and also all of our citizens and residents are a big part of that because we, we can't do that without all of you guys um, helping us by changing your behaviors, which is a tough ask. Um, as far as the second question goes, um, now you'll have to remind me because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, uh, I, again, we're oh, comparing it with the flu. Yeah, like, people, people oh, want to know how Got this it. is Thank different you. from the flu. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but I, but I do look at that periodically. And what I can tell you is the number of people that have died from this um, – from this virus and and the rate of which this has happened in such a short time period is is vastly different than normal influenza season. Uh, we still see people being infected. We we know that um, there are lots of dangers to this virus, and we do have to take this very seriously. So this is significantly um, more concerning right now than influenza. Um, but that being said, influenza is also a concerning virus. It's just gratefully we're out of the influenza season. Um, but when we come back into the fall, I like to try to prepare people for what we might see here. And while none of us has a crystal ball, we could have influenza and coronavirus at the same time again in the fall. And we fully expect to see multiple peaks with coronavirus um, and that could peak at the same time as influenza. I just heard on the news, and I hope that this is true, that we can get a vaccine um, by the fall. Um, that would be incredible because then we could vaccinate for both at the same time, and that would really help us combat these viruses. I, <clears throat> whoop, I didn't do that right. I, I missed the cough button. Was that a cough, by the way? Yeah, was you a, feel okay. it? <laughs> Coronavirus. I can't come to your to your meetings anymore, Jen. I coughed on the air. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we, I did have uh, – I remember reading a story on wisdomnews.com that Brad had and, and talked to – I think it was a doctor, NYKE, Nike, I think his name was. Yeah. And I can't remember if he was at Gunderson, but he said the flu – you should look at the flu numbers. They're way down this year because, hey, we're washing our hands. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, you know, I mean, these viruses have common – they have some commonalities. And when you think about a respiratory infection like this, yes, it can get on contact surfaces – I think the, so the the physical distancing has made a really big difference. So, yes, washing our hands, not touching our face, those are all ways to infect ourselves. But predominantly the physical distancing has made it so the virus can't spread from person to person. We've effectively taken away its best asset of moving from person to person um, by, by not having people close together. So that's made a big difference. Jen, first of all, we're starting to get more text saying thank you. I think Gary started something. We we have another <laughs> listener who says thanks and also asking uh, if contact testing is being planned and maybe if so, when we can start to expect that. Contact testing. Do they mean do they mean contact tracing or do they mean antibody testing? I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm maybe sure they, they mean uh, contact tracing. I was hope contact because tracing. I don't know. I don't know. I was hoping you were going to take that and go. I, well, I, I they must mean tracing. A yeah. bit to both. I want to so, know about. First of all, anytime we get a case, we do disease investigation with the individual who is positive, a lab confirmed case that results in identification of individuals that were close contact. That's where we do contact tracing then, and we contact each of those individuals and let them know that they may have been exposed, tell them to be in quarantine so that if they are not symptomatic yet but have been exposed, we don't want them to spread it. So that's a brief on contact tracing. On the testing side, there are two different kinds, two generally different kinds of tests. One is, um, you know, one like a PCR where it will actually uh, identify virus, pieces of the virus, and that test is the one that's typically done in hospitals and clinics. 
And um, there are other, there's another test, an antibody test, which there are a lot of them now out, um, out there that are doing antibody tests. And I, and I just want to kind of exercise caution about those because um, the Food and Drug Administration really opened up widely, and I think they're understanding that they need to close down on some of that or at least assure that some, some of those tests are more reliable because they're not as reliable as they need to be. But essentially, that type of test tells you if you've had the virus before. So it doesn't say that you have it now. Um, so that's the difference is that um, the first type that I described tells you, yep, I have the virus now. Jen, today Mike Pence was at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, and I, I would say Mayo Clinic in Rochester is probably the number one place, you know, in the world when it comes to stuff like this. Would you would you would you say that? Or I, I think worldwide, I mean, it certainly is a significant player in healthcare systems, and we have two really amazing healthcare systems in La Crosse County with both Gunderson and Mayo. Um, but yep, very important healthcare system. And he was there today and Mayo even tweeted, hey, we, we have a mask policy. Everyone needs to wear a mask. And there's kind of a story coming out now where, where Pence is all over the place not wearing a mask. He, was, he talked to a patient who had mm-hmm. just recovered and was giving plasma from uh from the virus and he he didn't you know everyone else has a mask on and he doesn't and then he was in the lab where testing is taking place and everyone has a mask on but he doesn't uh i, I don't know if you have thoughts to that if that's super yeah weird. i do and then- i do have thoughts and uh you know i'm not a very political person um but this is not a political issue this is um this is generally about a virus and what we need to be doing to protect ourselves and others from this virus and the purpose of wearing a mask or a face covering, um, and they probably were very willing to give them a surgical mask, um, is really to protect others in case you're in a symptomatic carrier because there are many, we've heard of cases um, where there are significant numbers of people that don't have symptoms and test positive. Um, you don't know that you have it. And so really, like that is that is our, we need to be wearing those when we're out and about because it, it assures that we're not potentially passing something on to others. Um, that's, that's unfortunate to hear because I think especially as leaders, we need to lead by example. And, um, you know, even in my own family, they pick on me a lot because um, my husband and my kids and even my parents, I, who I don't see, I, I tell them they must wear their mask all the time when they go out. So um, that's what it's like to be in, in the household of a public health professional. Okay, and the, <laughs> and the last thing, Jen, and real quick, because we just got a minute, the, the stay-at-home orders through May 26, Evers is kind of reeling some of that non-essential businesses back. What do you think? Of, do you have any opinions on like a timeline where, where other things could open or just quote-unquote normal? Do you have any, or, or is that not your forte at this point? Um, well, first of all, you know, we, I don't really know what the state's plan is in terms of when they'll open different areas. Um, I think it needs to be a continuous balance using the data that we have. And so, um, and it, just recognize that even when we fully open back up our new normal, it will not be the same as our normal prior to COVID-19. And we have to just anticipate that will be additional peaks we may need to um, go through phases where we shut down a little bit again, we reopen a little bit again. So um, that's not what people want to hear. But um, again, this is this is trying to fight a virus, and it it doesn't obey the same laws. I just want to play volleyball again, Jen. I just want. To play <laughs> well, I got out there golfing, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks so much for joining us again, and we'll talk to you at the same time next week. Sounds great. I did it again. That was Jen Rybalski, Lacrosse County Health Director. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after this on Wisdom.
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. About five minutes left in the show here. Uh, I want to get to this text from Kevin and just kind of, I was going to text him back. I'm like, oh, the whole point of these texts is to read them out loud and then to answer them on the air. Hey, why don't we do that? Because as, as I'm having conversations with other people on the text line, and Grant is as well. But with the stay-at-home order, Kevin Tax and sequestering that we have, couldn't we be opening up ourselves for a bigger outbreak later from people not being exposed at low levels? I'm sure Kevin wanted Jen Rambalski to answer that. You don't think but, Kevin wants our medical opinion? But what I'll what I'll say is he's right, right? Like, we're, but 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 I think the 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 reopening of our economy, the way we're doing it, you know, the reopening of businesses. I hate saying economy because it's just kind of a weird way to say that we're going to reopen the economy. But the reopening of some non-essential businesses that we're we're kind of slowly rolling them out. I think this is probably like a trial and error. We're going to do this. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to see if the numbers jump or not. If they do, then we'll you know reel it back a little bit. If they don't, then we'll try some other things. I talked to Chuck Deary today, Lacrosse Motor Speedway, Lacrosse Fairgrounds Motor Speedway uh, um, general manager over at the racetrack in West Salem, and you know the the order is closed races. I think they were going to have supposed to have their first race this week. Um, they've reeled that back. They're going to have their first race um, May thirtieth, right after the the order is over, or just a couple of days after the order is over, as long as you know everything is okay. Um, but yeah, that that might be another thing. And at this point, you know, we don't even know if we can open racetracks. They we re- I read that story. I think we mentioned it that South Dakota was having races, whether it was last weekend or coming up. Um, just just kind of like the fairgrounds in, in West Salem. But, man, it, it wouldn't be very hard to practice social distancing and having a race because we're outside the bleachers. You could you mark off every other bleachers and then put little X's maybe where anyone could sit, um, you know, fa- or, or maybe have little booths because families often go to those. As a kid, I often played race cars on the bleachers while my parents watched this the races and my brother races now. So I, you know, I kind of know I've, I've been to, and I've covered the races. So I, I feel like that, you know, that's one of those things that, that I think we could probably open up with some precautions and then figure it out and slowly do this. And then look a couple of weeks later, did the numbers jump in the area or not? And if they didn't, then, you know, like we try something else and we, and it's just a trial and error. Um, Getting away from the virus, I, I just want to say I have a a camera set up outside my my on my patio. Grant, now it kind yeah. of overlooks, so if people come up the driveway, I get notified. It's kind of a cool thing, and I now I forget what the camera is exactly called. Um, but I get notifications all day because my dog is coming and going up and down the stairs, and my dog likes to leave and go to the neighbor's house. Oh yeah, golden retrievers love to do that. Yeah, we had one and did the same thing. So my neighbor, he started he he. He loves her. He loves my dog Millie, and now he's got treats in his garage, and he gives her treats. And now she, he, you know, you know, just like when you feed a stray cat outside your door, the cat will just keep coming back. So now, when my neighbor opens his garage door, my dog gets manages to get the patio door open because it's the screen door when it is, and then she's she can hear the garage door. She she darts down the driveway and goes to visit him in his garage because she's getting treats in there. Brilliant! And, and you get notified every time. And this so happens. I get like nine notifications a day. I'm like, oh, there goes my dog again. She's going to the neighbors, and uh, it's just like. It's just I, I just I felt like I wanted to you know loosen things up and just talk about something a little bit sillier. Um, these cameras are pretty cool though. So it, not only do you see when the dog runs by, but you know when somebody else comes up the driveway or when a raccoon's in your driveway. I've gotten that before. Do you get more um, raccoons or people where you live? Definitely more uh, just wildlife in general. <laughs> Mostly though, it's it's the dogs coming and going and 
And it's always just super fun because, you know, you're like you're just like, oh, there goes the dog. The tail's wagging 100 miles an hour. And they're just like, see you later. I'm going to the neighbors. <laughs> just That's wholesome. And then you just see her take off down the driveway. So, um, all right. I don't know if I have an agenda yet for tomorrow. I can't remember. Oh, I do. I have my, my, uh, my friend Eric Weinberg, Viterbo history professor. He has come up with a model to tracking the, the coronavirus using essentially like Google data and how people move around. So... We're going to talk with him about his model. He works at Viterbo. He's kind of a nerd in in that regard. So we'll do that tomorrow. We'll be back on Wizard.